0: You're listening to Think Big, episode 27. Hello, big thinkers, and welcome to episode 27 of Think Big, English for Architects. I'm your host, Tara Cullen, Australian language teacher and coach and landscape architect. And I'm bringing all these things together to help you build more outstanding communication skills. If English is your second or your third or your fourth language and you're an architect, a landscape architect, interior designer or a student or you work in the built environment, then you're in the right place. To find out more about my coaching programs, you can go to archieenglish.com and as always, you'll find the free transcript with key vocabulary and expressions at archieenglish.com podcast to help you with your listening skills. I'm excited today to share a conversation I had recently with Ala Sabah. Ala Sabah is an Egyptian PMP and LEED Green Associate Architect and Interior Designer with five years of experience in hospitality and commercial projects internationally. You might be wondering what does PMP stand for? It stands for Project Management Professional, and LEED stands for Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. Previously, she lived in the Middle East, where she earned her IGCSE certificate and moved to e- Egypt for college. As a learner of the correlation between evolving BIM technologies and sustainable approaches in the architectural design field, She's now a graduate student pursuing her master's degree in integrated engineering at Cairo University while working as a freelance interior designer for a U.S. firm. I was really excited to interview Ala and I wanted to know more about her diverse architectural experience, her master's studies in BIM technologies and her understanding of sustainability, as well as working in an English environment or in a non-native English-speaking country. And Ayla certainly left me thinking a lot about some of the things I don't necessarily think about when it comes to considering sustainability in the design and what we should be thinking about in the design process. I start today's conversation by asking her a fun fact that has nothing to do with architecture. But as I'm starting to find out, you'll see that everything seems to somehow be connected to architecture in one way or another and so you'll find that out when you listen to Arla speak. So let's get straight into the conversation and find out more about her. Let's start with the first question that I always ask everyone which is fun fact about you that has nothing to do with architecture. And I haven't asked you this yet. So it's going to be a surprise, which is good.
1: Okay. Well, um, this, this one is, um, surprising for a lot of people, but, um, when I, whenever I play yoga, I play it on electronic music.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so you do, so you do yoga yeah. by listening to electronic exactly. music.
1: Exactly. And it's just, people cannot really get it. I mean, whoever, play yoga plays yoga they usually play it on a call music something that relaxes them you know it's kind of a slow breathing meditation session but for me no i like it on electronic music
0: <laughs> wow doesn't it make you want to get up and dance or
1: it does but i mean it doesn't really make me feel tired and the exercise seems a bit of interesting for me you know it's kind of a challenge but it is fun it, it gives me this kind of energy that i need to go to go on and keep doing it even for an hour I won't really feel uh, bored or tired but um when it's on really calm um lo-fi music you know I really get exhausted you know I just don't feel the hype in it (laughs) so that's something that people just keep staring at me like are you really serious about that but yeah I am
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna tell my yoga teacher about that I think she'll be so excited to hear that somebody likes that kind of music when they're doing their yoga and i i guess that kind of makes me think about another question is yoga a big part of your life
1: um recently yes because um i guess the more i get deep into the market you know like i i get promoted so i have this so much work that i have to do in my job and um just to keep uh, being able to give to the work I need some time for myself, so yoga is actually a part where I can actually breathe, I can turn off my mind of all the work and all the deadlines that keep chasing me throughout the week. So yeah, I mean it it became a really interesting and a a critical part of my life that I have just to do it so I can feel healthy and I can I can feel less stress because also in our work, the more you work, the more hectic it gets in my mind. And I just need to breathe, you know? So I want I to have a mental breakdown in the middle of the day.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's really important to have that time for yourself, isn't it? And yoga seems to be that for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, great. All right. So we've started with a fun fact that has nothing to do with architecture. As, as it turns out, it kind of does because it kind of keeps you calm
1: and <laughs> allows you to have
0: that nice work life balance. So what I'd really like to know is a little bit more about your story. So tell us where you're calling from now and what are your interests in architecture?
1: Um, Well, I'm calling you now from Cairo in Egypt and
0: (laughs) Can you see the the pyramids outside your window? Actually,
1: yes. I mean, not the full view, but there is a side view where I can see the pyramids. (laughs) Amazing. And um, I'm, a, I'm an architect. I'm a PMP and lead Green Associate Architect. Um, right now, I'm working in the freelance because I'm doing my master's degree, um, which is related to um, sustainability and um, design management, um, along with BIM. So, um, this is one way. And my experience includes working in a consult- uh, consultant firms where... Um, I worked on hospitality projects, commercial and residential ones, so my experience has been uh, a blast.
0: (laughs) Sounds like it. And do you work in Egypt, or do you work internationally, or tell us a little bit about your projects?
1: Uh, Well, um, at first I did work in a commercial project in uh, Saudi Arabia, and that was um, kind of a um, really interesting uh, first. Experience for me to work in something like that as a fresh graduate, and then um, eventually I worked in a hospitality, um, hospitality projects, and they were mainly in the MENA region. So, some were in Egypt, others were in Oman, and uh, there was another project in uh, Senegal. So, uh, it was a very interesting experience for me to work on several different projects and different cultures and learning more about the traditions and customs so people can feel really um themselves in the places or the aesthetics that we put in the design and then um, finally i'm actually working in a freelance in a couple of interior design projects in the us um they are interior based so yeah it is actually interesting <laughs>
0: Well, you have a diverse range of projects and different focuses. And I guess what I'm interested in, too, is do you what language do you work in? Do you work in various languages or one language, or how does it work?
1: Um, maybe in Egypt, um, we have to learn uh, English or to speak it, because uh, a lot of projects are done with, um, with both languages. And basically, the architecture market is is English based with all the terminologies that are that are used with the softwares. So yeah, English is a it's a primary language when it comes to um to the architecture market. And then yeah, we have to speak English or we have to use um English ter- terms in the middle of the natural conversation when it comes to architecture. So it is it is it is, it is crucial to use it. Yeah.
0: And so when you're working on, say, projects in Saudi Arabia and Oman, are you working in English or in Arabic? No,
1: definitely English, because usually okay. the, um, the other party is an international consultant, so all the terms, all the uh, guidelines and the paperwork and the contracts, everything, all the agreements, they have to be in, done in English yeah because this this is going to be like an easy um understanding or common ground for people to uh, negotiate or to debate whatever kind of um hustle or issue that comes up
0: okay so that's important english is such an important part of being able to communicate across cultures and across the team as well so
1: true yes i agree
0: yeah. Um, I'm interested in about your your certification. You said at the beginning you were a, a LEED certified yeah. sustainable. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that means?
1: Well, um, LEED stands for Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. So basically, this um, certificate is um, teaching architects and not only architects, different disciplines. I mean, once you're over 18 years old, you can actually study it and um, it's accessible on the usgbc website which uh, is the united states um, green building council so you can study the material to know more about sustainability and how how you as an individual or even as um, a professional can help a building be green or healthy for the user and for the planet and there's this whole thing that gives you different perspectives on how building can affect on the water, the energy use, the material resources, the environment and the carbon dioxide and the emissions or the footprint that are left behind from the building. I mean We people, we build a lot of developments on the community, but we don't really know the impact that we are leaving behind for the future generations. So this is really important, you know, and it's not just about the beautiful design of a building, but also the calculations that are hidden beneath this beautiful design or uh, the coast that came after creating this beautiful facade for the um, public.
0: Yeah, it sounds super important. And I imagine having that qualification or that certification, does that help you to see the design process different
1: as well? Yeah, definitely it does because um, the moment that you start from the very beginning of the um, conceptual phase of a design, you just have to make sure that you're working in the right path and in a, um, what do you say of um, holistic approach where people are working collaboratively and there is this dynamic where people are all working together and all parties are involved from the first step because then the design procedure is going to be easy head on. But when people are working differently and separated like in silos, so that won't be productive and that will never achieve success at the end of the project because the cost of editing and changing or modifying the building um, as a construction that is so costly. And in addition, people are never going to um, put in mind the design um, guidelines or tips that will help make a building really healthy. And um, people also don't understand that, uh, yeah, the upfront cost of a building can cost so much to make it healthy or to use less energy or the equipment that will be installed But on the long run, that is going to save a lot of money. And people never think Mm -hmm. of that because they always think that if they're saving in the beginning, then they're doing the smart move. But on the long run, that's not true.
0: Yeah, wow. Is there a lot of information on the internet available to people about the guidelines for this type of certification? Yeah,
1: it does. I mean, on the YouTube, you can find so much information on the YouTube and there are so many PDFs for um, simple scientific papers that people can read and they can understand. I mean, um, not all papers include these hard terminologies to show people that they are like kind of brainiacs, but it is accessible for <laughs> them to understand how the market goes. And there are so many developments for this um, topic.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll definitely share some uh, simplified or summaries of the, of the research. I think maybe if you could share something with me and we can put it into the show notes, I think that would be really useful. I know some of the listeners will love it. Absolutely. Excellent. So that's your kind of your summary of what you're doing now. And I know we were going to talk about what are your thoughts for the future. So do you have any ideas about what you're wanting to pursue in the future in architecture, in your career?
1: Well, um, for starters, I mean, since I'm doing my master's, so... um... The more I learn, I mean, I, I do change my mind a lot about the topics that I want to pursue in the future. <laughs> I really cannot.
0: <laughs> I think you're not alone in that. Many people that I've spoken to say this, they change their mind, or there's a lot of different areas that you can be passionate about.
1: Exactly. And then, with this, I mean, I, I, for one, I'm really interested in the sustainability market. And the one thing that I want to do, or actually get really in depth with, indulging it with the BIM technology and seeing um, the, mo- the potential it has to um, either reduce the energy or to save um, the coast or even to manage it as a project. So it is very um, interesting. Yeah, you know, it is, I mean, a big picture of the project or of the technology sounds nice, seems cool and interesting, but when you get really in-depth about it, there's so much more to learn than just the beautiful uh, book or the, this easy example of building on the internet.
0: Yeah, so you're doing your studies in BIM mm-hmm. and BIM is obviously not new, but it's definitely developing and there's a lot more hype around BIM and the, the positives that we can gain from using it. So I guess I'd really love to know what are the, some of the things that maybe you've learned things that have blown your mind that you think, wow, we really need to be implementing this. If you could share a few things about what
1: you've learned, what would you tell people? Uh, Well, um, BIM for many architects or uh, some, I mean, yeah, I mean, even even people who who didn't really start working in the industry, BIM source stands for building and information modeling. And it is not just about the Revit software that they use or the Archicad that they need yeah it is so much more than that i mean it is a vast a vast market about how people from all different disciplines can work on the same project at the same time i mean you can have one project different softwares are working on it and no problem in the interface everything is going smoothly i mean imagine a world where every person working in a different industry even in different locations, can access this project and know anything about it without any kind of hiccups. That is something that the world really needs. And this is called um, interoperability, where where people can work on a project and they can understand the aspects, extract whatever information they need do whatever edits they want. And for that reason, um, there are a lot of industries that are working, or software developers, that are working towards something called um, OpenBIM, where there is no kind of a vendor who's taking control of software, where everything is accessible for people. So it's kind of an open source. And it's kind of an initiative that has started for a while ago. So it can help architects do better on their projects, manage their projects better, And um, this also takes us in a different part where um, programming languages also come in handy for that part, because this building modeling, like a 3D building modeling, is just not an image of a um, model, but it's more, there is more to that for it. There is programming languages where you can extract information. And for many architects, we don't learn that because, I mean, we're not software developers, but... As an architect, the only person who can understand the building and translate it to this kind of a language, I mean, then architects need to learn the programming languages. And it comes to there's this IFC and IDM, so many things that they need to learn. IFC is industrial foundation class, where the building is dissected to different aspects like walls, structure, columns, beams, and all of that are then translated into zeros and ones. And a software developer himself will never understand the building components. So there is always this medium where the architect has to have both kind of knowledge to translate that. And this is really growing very fast. I mean, with this um, technology of having the VR to, to go through the building, or even architects now are Uh, are wishing that um, not only architects, architects, um, structure, um, professionals, and all different MEPs, they are all uh, wishing for this kind of VR metaverse technology where they can stand in a virtual building, walk through it before it's even being developed uh, as a a real-life building on the construction, and they can twin out all kind of errors that can be seen without using paper, you know, this kind of world, architects and other disciplines involved in the engineering industry, they are really looking forward to this kind of uh, revolution in technology.
0: Wow, it sounds like an amazing, amazing space to be in. And it definitely sounds like you're very passionate about it, that's for sure. (laughs) I'm sure we could make an entire podcast about BIM. As a, as a landscape architect also, I've been very interested in BIM because it's not necessarily as easy to use the software for landscape because you're, you're also dealing with time and um, natural elements which aren't always easy, as easy to predict as more structural elements of a building. So do you, do you see there being more integration with all the different consultants and it working well?
1: Um, no, actually, at all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say it's like an ideal world, but I don't see it working.
1: (laughs) That's what they really aim for, but for now, no, people are just fighting till someone else finds a solution for this open vision.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it seems like a pipe dream, something that we're trying to see happening in the future, but. I mean, and I, I was laughing when you were saying um, no no clashes or no problems with the drawings as if that ever happened. Exactly.
1: And then in real life, everything is full of clashes and people are losing their minds and the communication really is horrible <laughs> and people are just, no, it's it's really hard for them at the moment. So yeah, there there is this dream where everything is going to go so smoothly and there will be no any kind of discrepancy between the design or um, different disciplines on a project.
0: Yeah, so it seems though, that there is a lot of room for development, Mm -hmm. and exciting room for development. So it sounds like you're in the right space.
1: (laughs) I hope so, really.
0: (laughs) Yeah, would you what would you say to students who are just starting out as architects now, would you recommend making themselves more aware about BIM and the and the capabilities of BIM software?
1: Yeah, definitely, because that's, that's the future. Because um, on one hand, yeah they learn, of course, a lot of information in university, but they need to know that um, there are a lot of different topics that should be self-studied. And in the, yeah, for yeah sure. in the architecture department or in any kind of discipline, there are so many things that um, architects will never I mean speaking as an architect for myself, there are many things that architects will never have it easy. They need to go hard and. Do their utmost effort. They need to, they need to know that um, the knowledge is accessible, but it will take time. So they have to be patient, and they have to be patient understanding the different terminologies and the different um, scientific areas that are integrated with the architecture departments. So they have to be yeah. very. Uh, they have to be passionate in the first place because once you're passionate. You will just have this so much potential inside of you to do whatever you want and to excel as an architect and as a professional in the industry.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I was just thinking as you were saying that there's so many diverse paths I think you can take as an architect. And it can be overwhelming, can't it? As a not really knowing which path should I take. But yeah, if you have the passion, and yeah, also I was thinking about this idea that a lot of students, have had this argument that university doesn't necessarily prepare you for life as an architect, but then, as you say, maybe there are things that you need to Mm self-study. And I guess that's the nature of the profession is that it is so diverse and there are so many options and you can't possibly learn all of that at university. Yeah. And I,
1: I, for one, I learned that the hard way where I, I, I actually thought like them. I thought that university had to teach me everything I need to know. (laughs) <laughs> and then I was really hit with the truth when I went out in the market industry. So yeah.
0: It's a big difference, isn't mm-hmm. it,
1: sometimes? Yeah.
0: Well, I'm, I appreciate you sharing your experience with BIM. And I hope that your master's goes well and that out of it you, you get to, to work in something, the metaverse or what it mm. is that's going to keep you passionate about what you're doing. I think it's a great avenue to take. Thank you. And another part of your story that I'm really interested in is the fact that you're bilingual. It's amazing being able to speak two languages and I think just hearing your experiences really intrigues me. What are some of the advantages for you that being bilingual brings to your profession and how
1: do you think it helps you
0: to see things differently?
1: Well, for a start, is being on this broadcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it, it it actually opens a lot of doors for me. I mean, the potential, um, actually having different languages gives you this potential to be exposed to different markets and different opportunities, you know, because um, it actually gives the other person this kind of trust that this, this individual can communicate their ideas. And it is entrusting to know that... Um, Speaking different language will create this different this common ground where you can communicate ideas, share visions, and the perspectives that it brings on the table. Um, it is just mind blowing to know how they how they can be discussed and shared, and so this exposure actually gives you a bigger potential or a stronger um, grade in the market industry where you can work yeah. in probably international projects so yeah as you have been doing yeah exactly so yeah
0: and have you spoken english all your life or what was your experience with english
1: well actually yeah from since i was a kid i was in, in english school i know i don't speak the english accent
0: <laughs> but I, don't, I can't really tell what your accent is actually i was just trying to think before i don't know but that's probably not a bad thing. <laughs> it doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> because in Egypt, people yeah. are not really accustomed to the English accent. They don't really get it. They they think it's kind of difficult for them to grasp the kind of words you get out. So um, I try to speak an American-ish language, which will be easy for them. And I think I, get used, I got used to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, I think you probably lean more towards the American accent, yeah. but... I think I'm so used to hearing so many different accents in English now that I can't, I find it hard sometimes to pinpoint where, where the accent comes from. So what would you say then to somebody who, so you've been speaking English all pretty much all your life, you've been learning it. If, if somebody was say, uh, thinking about improving their English, say they live in Egypt or they live somewhere and they're wanting to improve their English for having more international opportunities, what would you say to them to encourage them?
1: Well, I do remember during my GCSEs, I used to practice on the BBC um, audio trackings. There is a <laughs> website for the BBC where you can actually listen to different topics and they provide you with this uh, transcript so you'd know what the speaker is talking about or whatever um, new definitions that, or terms that I might not know, so i go and Google it so I can learn more. And um, yeah. also movies with English subtitles, that help a lot.
0: Yeah. What about in architecture? Do you tend to listen to podcasts or watch videos or anything to do with architecture or not Oh, really? yes,
1: I do. I do because um, there, are, there. Are, I, I ride the bus, so sometimes I really get really bored and I want to learn something. <laughs> so I put on a podcast and I listen to it. Oh, that's yeah. good.
0: Can you do you have any recommendations for good ones?
1: Um, actually, there is one that talks about BIM and the um, the owner of the, this uh, podcast is the Building Smart um, Initiative that is aiming for this open BIM approach.
0: Wow. Okay. So we'll share that podcast. Definitely. There's a there's a, there's actually an Australian BIM. His name is the Aussie BIM Guru. I don't know if you know his his YouTube. Well,
1: I'm going to check him channel. out. <laughs>
0: His name is Gavin, and we did a little speak, I did a talk with him once, uh, Gavin, he's great. Gavin Crump, he's the Aussie BIM guru, and he shares a lot of his ideas about, I don't really know BIM very well, but he he shares a lot of his ideas and what he uses and his workflow and things like that's very useful. So you'll have to watch his YouTube videos. I
1: will do, definitely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You might find them useful. All right, so you would tell them to, I guess, expose themselves to as much English as possible, mm-hmm. and perhaps what they're interested in as well. Obviously, you you're listening to, to BIM podcast because that's what you're interested
1: exactly, in. Exactly. Yes, and you know, listening to English or practicing it, it doesn't have to be boring. You know, it doesn't have to be like study materials. Songs sometimes help. Movies, TV movie yeah, shows, sure. you know, these stuff really are interesting yeah. for people to get in depth with the culture.
0: Yeah, I've just been uh, it's a little bit of a side note, but because I'm learning French, I'm l- watching Parisian Agency and it's about these brothers, they're, an, they're agents in Paris and they show people to these houses and I'm learning a lot of architectural language in French just by watching that, it's very that's good. That's
1: very interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's funny as well. So trying to you know kill two birds with one stone by watching something that's interesting but also related to what I'm interested in. I did
1: watch so a good. TV show for French in French for um, for agency. But they were they were helping the actors, the celebrities.
0: Ah, uh, de Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, call my agent. Yeah, I love that one too. It's very good. <laughs> it's not so architecture related, but I guess it's it's kind of related. It's pretty funny. Yeah, funny. It
1: was funny. <laughs> Just reminded me we were saying yeah. about the agents. And French TV shows.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very good. I do like that one. That's a good one, and it's very funny. I like funny. Anything that's funny, for me, just automatically helps me to be interested and stay interested.
1: I couldn't agree more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So being bilingual, it's an advantage. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we've. I've asked you all the questions I felt like I was going to ask you, but I do have a question that I'd like to ask you. And is it it's about: Are there any questions that you would have liked that I asked you that I haven't already asked you?
1: Um, well, yeah. Um, how can architects help sustain the buildings? This is really one thing that um, people people just don't really forget about. It. People forget about it um, because um, this one architects have this duty to bring beauty to the world, but they have to teach people how to maintain it. I think this is one, one, one duty we have as architects. We have to teach people how to maintain the building and how this building can live as long as it could without being demolished or without losing its value. Because sometimes people, people really blame the professionals for not giving them the heads up, you know?
0: So how would, you, how would you know how to understand how to maintain a building or to maintain a space? Is, is there information that we should be reading or making yourself aware of while you're doing the design or how do you normally do that and approach that?
1: Well, um, for starters, um, people need to, um, to pretend that living in a building is not just a box that they get acquainted to. It's more of an environment a smaller environment that they live in for a really long time and that impacts their mental health their uh, well-being so many different things and architects have to raise awareness because um maybe this this topic is not um as viral as it should be but people are learning more about it since the mental health topic is having the spotlight and then um, maintaining a building is not just cleaning it but also people have to work as an integrated community so whenever there is a problem the architects should speak to uh, the facility managers or the user how to maintain a building how to fix a problem right on spot and not keep it till it get ruined and then it's um, the crisis gets bigger you know all of that all of these things um are not about a manual that are that is distributed on people, but it's from lessons learned experience
0: yeah, and I guess it that comes through material selection and, and understanding about the durability of certain things and and also the durability of the design or the the space as well. There's so many different factors that we consider
1: exactly, and with architects creating this beauty, they have to give people the level of um, expandable materials that are being used and the kind of uses that people are uh, expecting this material to have. And this is one thing that is very limited as a topic, but it is very important because at the end of the day, when a building gets ruined, everyone loses and this is not really, um, this is not kind of a future where buildings are going to get demolished and all the wreckages are left on the side and then another kind of pollution is taking place. So, maintaining a building is something interesting and something important because eventually this is going to be a part of our history for the future generation, you know, leaving something behind. Yep. A sustainable building that has this concrete. Based and a long living potential instead of demolishing it because people couldn't maintain it. And not just the end user, but everyone involved from A to Z.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that, actually. I think it's such an important aspect. And you're right, it's not something that is always spoken about so much in, in architecture. Interestingly, as a landscape architect, this is something we think about all the time, mm-hmm. Because when we design something, we're, we're working very often with plants which grow and we have to think about the long-term impact of what we're designing because it's constantly changing over time. So it's definitely something that maybe we think about that maybe architects need to think about more so as well, and that integrated approach. So I appreciate that you mentioned that. I think it's such an important aspect of sustainability and particularly we're going into you know so so many discussions about climate change and y- y- we can see it we can physically see what's happening now and you know we need to do something about it
1: yeah exactly
0: yeah okay well we've we've crossed a lot of topics today we've talked about sustainability we've talked about bim we have talked about being bilingual and we've talked about the importance of understanding how to maintain a building and and trying to incorporate that into the design. I guess my last question for you would be what what do you want people to take away from your conversation with me today?
1: Well, um, my experience will never match to anyone, because the experience of people that I met in the market will never match to me. And every person has this mind blowing story, mind blowing experience. So um, it's Nobody knows what they are doing, but we're all learning.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you said that. (laughs) No one knows what they're doing. We're just designing your buildings, but it's okay. (laughs) We're
1: we're pretending to be very confident about it, but just, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So, yeah, Yeah. the the students should know that um, everyone, um, everyone is having their stories, everyone having their struggles and their learning curves. So, never give up on your learning curve, because the more you learn, the more doors are opening for you. And they will never be the same doors for me, but we're all learning whenever we're working together. So this is something that um, there is beauty in that.
0: Absolutely. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself. I think you're right. We are always learning. Being in this profession is like a lifelong learning process. Exactly. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you, Ala, for the conversation. I have learned a lot. I'm going to go and do a lot of reading after our conversation, particularly about different certification, thinking about the durability of spaces and design. I think that's you've raised some really important aspects. We talked a lot about different vocabulary, so thank you very thank
1: much. Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me. <laughs>
0: you are very welcome. You are welcome on the podcast. Again, maybe when you finish your masters, you can tell us all about how are you going to save the world with BIM?
1: That is so good. <laughs> that
0: brings us to the end of the episode. Thanks again, Arla, for your time and sharing your experiences. I had such a great time chatting to you and finding out more about what you do and the joy that you bring to the profession. You can reach Arla by connecting her with her on LinkedIn, and I'll put those links in the show notes. And as always, thanks for listening to Think Big. English for Architects. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe for more English tips for architects and share with someone else who you think might find this episode useful. And remember, you can find the free podcast transcript with key vocabulary and useful expressions at archieenglish.com slash podcast. Until next time.